You are listening to an audio from Redemption City Church. If you would like to explore more resources or donate to this ministry, go to www.visitredemptioncc.com. In the time before Christ, the Jews went through a time of exile. While in exile, they would build temples scattered away from their homeland. During that time, a city named Ephesus was created by the Greeks and taken by the Romans. Roman rulers would connect the world with Rhodes. Paul was able to capitalize on both. Scattered Jewish temples connected by the Roman Empire Rhodes which led Paul to Ephesus, where he pastored for a while, left and then wrote them the letter, titled Ephesians. The lie is that things will always be the way they are. Broken people, broken churches. The truth is that you can become a new man with a new heart and a new mind. The people who follow Christ can be one body, one church, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father to all. Ephesians. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Oh, let's try. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. All right. I'm doing good in Jesus, too. If you are visiting for the first time today, my name is Brandon, and I'm one of the elders, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption City Church, and we are really glad you're here today. We are continuing forward in our Ephesians series, and so you've come on a great day to experience the truth about God. And if you've been regularly attending here Sunday in and Sunday out, I really do hope you are growing deeper in your relationship with the Lord, because there's really no safer place than to be in the safe hands of the living God. And I'm hoping that as the Lord stirs your affections, that you may consider this to be a place you can call home. And listen, if you are one of our brand new covenant members, we are so, so excited. Me and Pastor Jack are so excited about that. And we are hoping that you're already starting to experience the beautiful fruit of what occurs when you get the opportunity to be responsible for people and these people get an opportunity to be responsible for you because it is really a part of what we see in scripture as god's will and god's design so just like last week we're going to have that same short little family meeting now um, studies show that in, a, in for church if you really want to get a sermon across or an announcement across or anything across you want to do that for at least a minimum of about four Sundays because people get sick vacation things are going on and so you want to have some things repeatable for at least four weeks and this is one of those things and so bear with me if you were here last week but I think every week you can, you can get a little bit more that God has for you so let's have this brief family meeting while we cover these three questions about the way that we start our sermons each time with those three powerful words of how, how are you doing? How are we doing? All right. So here's question number one that you may think, Hey, Pastor Brandon, why do you say every single time you start your message, good morning and how are we? Right. I always start that way. Well, I say that because a loving family cares to inquire of one another right? Like it's important for you to think and consider as you're coming in here from the hustle and the bustle of everything you've done this week 
to know what's going on inside. How are you doing? So often we, we are not taking care of what's going on on the inside of us and we just kind of go through life. And so when I'm saying, how, how are you doing? How are we doing? I want you to really take a moment before you interact with the living word of God to do a heart check. Amen. So here's the next question. Okay. So you, you ask that question, then why do you then encourage me to respond back? Like in the middle of service, that's rude. I, I don't, I don't want to talk in service. I just want to, I just want to listen. Right. Well, actually it's not that weird because I want to encourage you to respond because that's what a healthy family does. A healthy family exchanges communication. It's not supposed to be just one direction. That's why periodically throughout today's um, sermon and honestly every Sunday, I'm going to pause at certain times in the service and I'm going to say, amen. And then I'm going to leave a little bit of a moment for you to respond back in your agreement. Amen. If you've agreed with what we just talked about, you know why? Because your verbal and your audible agreement about what was just said brings beautiful, beautiful unity in the house of God. Now I'm going to use the same example I did last week. Think about whether it's a football team or a soccer team or a basketball team. And they come together, they put their hand in the middle and they go one, two, three, go Redskins or whatever you're, you know, or go Buccaneers or whatever the, the team is. Why are they doing that? When they're putting their hands in the middle and they're all using their verbal and audible agreement, they're saying, I'm putting myself to the side, all of my practice, everything to the side, and I'm leaning in for this unified goal to win this game. So when we are saying amen together as the people of God, we are coming together saying yes to Christ's mission or whatever is being proclaimed. That's true. Does that make sense? All right, here's the last part. Okay, um, so maybe you're following so far. Here's the last question. Why do you then encourage me, Pastor Brandon, to say that I'm doing good or well or awesome in that moment? I really want us to build that culture. When we start, when I come up here, I'm like, hey, how are we doing? There is an expectation for you to say good or well, awesome, but what if I'm having a terrible week? What if I, it's been filled with trials or tragedies? Are you asking me to fake it? Never. I'm never asking you to fake it. Remember, our theme, our model, our anthem is right on the front page of our website is it's okay to not be okay. It really is. God meets you where you are and so will we. We believe that. But we also believe this. We believe that Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christians are never comfortable staying that way. We don't stay there. There is a time and a place, whether it's a city group or a one-on-one -on -one relationship or like the men's den night where we lean in, we want to be vulnerable. Man, brother, I'm struggling. And, and we share those things. But here, here's the thing. This is the one time of week on a Sunday morning where the people of God come together despite trials, despite sufferings, and we're reminded upon Christ that we are good in him. Amen. I want to look at that same verse again. I want us to get this into our soul. And it comes out of Psalms chapter 23, verse 6. And so this is what the psalmist says in the Psalter. It says, surely goodness, it's a powerful word, and mercy shall follow me all, not some, not sometimes. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There's no interruption in this truth. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, even when we don't feel when we don't feel like we're doing good, we can still proclaim that in a faithful way because of the promises of God upon our life. 
It doesn't mean that we never have our moments. We can and we should fall before the feet of Jesus and say, God, I need your help. But here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to say it like some flippantly, I'm good, I'm blessed, I'm fine. What I'm asking you to do in that moment is to ferociously and defiantly proclaim against the enemy that you are good because you remember the promises of God in your life. And I want to invite you to see how Christ can meet you exactly where you're at. And I want us to develop that as a culture here. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, and I really hope you do, I want you to open them to Ephesians chapter 1. And having your own personal Bible in service is going to be really, really important, actually, for this series. You're going to see that today. And so if you don't have your own Bible, we have some in, um, towards your left in the windowsill. They're turquoise. So we just ask that you would put them back by the end of the service. We are going to continue magnifying God in our Ephesians series titled Our Story into God's story. And this is all about discovering who we are in light of Christ. And here's going to be our aim. This is the aim. This is kind of our whole aim of the series. It doesn't matter who you are, how many times you've went through the book of Ephesians. You could have went through it a hundred times. You could be opening the book for the first time. You can have a PhD or a master's in theology, or this may be the first time you're even considering Jesus. Our aim is that each individual would have an encounter through the book of Ephesians regarding God like they've never had before. And our aim is to accomplish that by working through this six-part mini-series, okay? So six parts. It was five and now it's six because that's what happens, right? So we're going to work through this six-part mini-series where we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14 so we can have a firm, firm foundation. And then after the six little mini-series, intro-series, we're going to leap and dive deep into the rest of the book. You guys with me? You with me? Yes. Okay, okay, I'm just making sure you gotta wake up. All right, here we go. So last week, here's a review from Ephesians, um, from, from part one, all right? In part one, we set the stage for what was going on historically um, in the book of Ephesians and what was going on in Paul's life. We learned about what Paul was experiencing under light chain house arrest. So those who were here last week, or if you listen, that makes sense to you, right? We learned that it wasn't just a normal prison cell. And that has many implications for how we think through the book of Ephesians. And most important, we learned, we looked at the construction of the book of Ephesians and how these six chapters are broken or how I'm going to break them into kind of three different segments. All right. So on the screen, we also learned that in the book of Ephesians, it deepens our understanding of the gospel. It is literally purposed with that. We also learn that it magnifies the importance of God's church, and it also provides immense grace-filled encouragement. And then finally, we learn that it gets really practical, and I love that about this book, and it answers basic questions about the Christian life. And I um, encourage you to use this as a discipleship tool with a new believer. We learned that Ephesians can be broken into, or we're going to look at it in three segments. It's often broken into two, but I really think we can do it more faithfully, breaking it into three. Segment one, which we're going to be kind of camping out in for quite a while, is we learn who we are in Christ. And we learn that from chapters one through chapter three. And then in segment two, we'll be looking at now that we know who we are and we believe that by faith, what is God calling us to do then with this new identity that we know? And you learn that from about Ephesians chapter 1 through about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9-ish, okay? And then finally, we land the plane of the series 
and some other monk that's not here. <laughs> um, and we learn now that we know who we are and now that we know what we have been called to do and commissioned to do, how do we defend that? and not allow the enemy to thwart that. And we look at that from um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, to the, about the end of the book. And I'm so excited to do that. And that brings us to today, which is part two, titled Prayers, Peace, and an Invitation. Prayers, Peace, and an Invitation. And this is the next step in our foundational mini-series. And today is really about this. It's about slowing down long enough to see all that Paul is trying to communicate when he opens up this letter. We're going to slow way down so we don't miss anything. And I'm really excited. And so let's listen in right now to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I am so ready to do this with you guys. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's pray. Here we are, Lord, your people, your church, meeting together, Lord, in your presence. Thank you for allowing us into your presence. We welcome each other and we welcome you. Make yourself known to us, Lord, radically known to us in new and fresh ways through the understanding and the discovery of your word. Father God, you are the author of every single term and theme and system and design. And it's beautiful in this beautiful living book we call the Bible. So it's my prayer that we would be encouraged into areas of repentance where necessary and into blessings where appropriate, Father. Lord, I'm not worthy of communicating such harmony and perfection that is your thoughts nestled in your word. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way through me as your glad instrument despite my physical limitations. 
Because, Father, I have so many unseen limits. We all do. But in you, I can do this. We all can do this. And finally, I pray for each person here today. Help them to walk in all that you have for them this morning. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Let's look now at just verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at that. I'm going to read that to you one more time. There's so much here. Here it is. Ephesians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you hmm, and peace from God, hmm, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, within just these two sentences, we're going to spend the majority of our time today. In fact, not really the majority, all of our time. All of our time is going to be spent here because these verses are implicitly communicating loudly so many things that if we miss them, it's going to change the trajectory in a bad way of what we want to do for the rest of the whole book. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Pastor Brennan, like you're, you're kidding, right? We're not going to spend about an hour looking at these two opening verses. That's not possible. Yes, it is possible. And that's what we're going to do today because there's so much going on here. Now, the next thing you may be thinking is if we're really going to spend about an hour spending on these two verses, we're going to be in Ephesians for about three years. Well, my answer to that is you're right and you're wrong. Let me explain. Any book of the Bible, any book of the Bible should take us the rest of our lifetime. That's how much riches is in there. We are called to spend the rest of our days looking at this book. It is endless what God has for us. Now, we're not going to do that. We're going to spend some faithful time in there, but I want you to understand something. And there's something really important that God has for us. Here's my why of why we're spending so much time in this mini series for these 14 verses. I want to make sure that we faithfully and, and I slowly teach you how to really understand the Bible for yourself. You can do that. I want you to have a type of activity and a confidence when you turn the pages in Ephesians and ultimately the whole Bible. I want you to grow beyond any biblical insecurity that you have. Let me say it again. I want you to become biblically confident when you open up that Bible. I want you to be humble and approachable with the knowledge that you get as you grow here. You will grow here if you open your heart and your mind. But I want us to do that in a humble and in a faithful way. Like, don't be a know-it-all as we keep going on. Open your heart because everybody can learn something today. And finally, I want you to be gladly willing to share your faith. But here's the thing. You can't share your faith if you don't understand what you're looking at. You will have insecurity. And I'm hoping that as we really take our time and I really pastor you, that's what I'm called to do, not be a motivational speaker. As I pastor you, I'm hoping that that confidence, not in and of yourself, but in what God is saying to you, would propel you to share the gospel. Amen? All right, so the letter opens up with the first, the first word in the first sentence of, the, of this text. And what is it? What does it say? Paul. Paul. It opens up with that. So I want you to circle it. Circle Paul. If you bought your own Bible, I really encourage you to circle it. If not, I put little inserts in your roadmap so you can, it could be your, uh, your temporary Bible for today. You can go home and do that. All right, circle Paul. We're going to be student learners today. Now, previously, Paul was a persecutor of the church. I really want you to know that. It's going to be really important. He was responsible for killing many, many, many Christ followers. 
Yet in God's incredible grace, he transformed Paul into what we call a apostle of the Gentiles. He would literally go on, ready? He would literally go on to write 13 of our books or letters or epistles in the New Testament, or 14 if you consider Hebrews to be one of those books, which I do. And I would encourage you to just land that plane so you can focus on the message in Hebrews and all these books. Don't get lost in those things. Here's what's important. Literally, Paul wrote primarily the entire New Testament almost. Now, that's crazy. Listen, Paul's life reminds us in a very radical way that God can change anyone out of any circumstance for great, great things, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss this. This man, this man Paul, the Apostle Paul, was not just responsible for taking a life, but lives. Lots of lives. You tracking with me? We can't keep coming to church and hearing the same things all over again. Like, oh, I've already read Ephesians. Oh, I know Paul. I, yeah, I know Paul used to be Saul. He used to hurt. No, no, no. We, do not allow your heart to become so rendered callous that you don't understand the incredible grace and mercy that's on supreme display right now. Paul was a murderous man who God reconciled. He was a murderous man who God reconciled, redeemed, renewed, and didn't just renew him and he had a good Christian life in the corner. God used him to write primarily most of the New Testament that me and you have today. It is massively important for you to understand and, inter and interact with that and to pay attention to that. Paul was living a life contrary to the Christian faith that me and you have adopted and have made our own. But God, in his love, stopped Paul in his tracks on the road to Damascus and saved him. And he's doing the same thing today for me and for you and for others. So if you came in here into this room, I know some of you and some of you I don't. And if you came in here and you're struggling with your past, and maybe you're saying, Pastor Brandon, you don't know me. And if you really knew me, and you really knew my story, and you really knew my past, you would know that I'm not worthy to be here. Because you don't understand, I didn't just do things in my past that hurt me. I did things in my past, and I hurt people. I've hurt people. Listen, I want you to know that there's hope for you here at Redemption City Church. This is a safe place no matter who you are, and no matter what you've done, to experience hope, reconciliation, and peace. Because God's done it for Paul. And Paul is starting this letter off before he says anything. And he wants you to know who he is. And he wants you to know what Christ has done. Because it means everything. Okay, so the verse continues on. That's just one word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. This is how I break down the text, and I want you to know how to do this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Underline the word apostle. Man, this packed with stuff. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Right now, if Paul is identifying himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus, that should beg this question to everyone here who has ears to hear and is listening and leaning in. 
what is an apostle of Christ Jesus from a biblical perspective? What does that, what does that even mean? And so uh, I wanted to put together a everyday believer-friendly definition so we can understand what it means to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And so for those of you who know me, I, have my, I love my porch. I don't have it anymore, but it was about three weeks ago I was working on this definition at my old place. And here it is, an apostle of Christ Jesus. An apostle of Christ Jesus is someone specifically called and empowered by Christ alone, that's key, to deliver or spread his teachings to specific people that he commands them to. You got that? This is really important for us to understand as Christians, juxtaposed to any other religion. Take Mormonism, for example. They declare, so if, if, if you have Mormon friends, they're going to declare that there are modern-day apostles. They're going to tell you that, right? I have some Mormon friends that I used to spend once a week with, and, and they would share their faith. I'd share my faith, and we had this thing going on. And they're, and they're constantly talking about modern-day apostles. However, we don't believe that as Bible-believing Christians. That is contrary to biblical truth. Scripture teaches us that there were a select few only apostles who were called men of God by Christ specifically, okay? And that's going to be really important. The importance of that is that there's a different weight attached to these Christ-appointed men. And Paul wants you to know that. Hey, I'm Paul, an apostle, not of anyone, of Christ Jesus. And there's a different weight attached to this appointment. So while a disciple, we know a disciple is a student learner and they learn from a teacher, I want you to really lean in. An apostle is one who's sent specifically by Christ alone to deliver specific teachings that last for an eternity. No one else had that type of authority or inspiration. Their teachings, inspired by God, would last forever. So while all apostles, are you still trying, we, we always, the Ephesians, we've got, to, we've got to spend a little time understanding. While all apostles are disciples, forever and always, all disciples, like you and I, do not become apostles of Christ Jesus, just a select few. And that was God's grace to them to display for all people. So Paul is proclaiming that his authority are you, are you tracking? His authority and what he's going to talk about doesn't come from himself. It doesn't come from him, but it comes from Christ. It comes from God. So specifically in this verse, Paul is referring to himself as someone specifically called and commissioned by the resurrected Jesus. And this is done by the will of God. That's the will of God part. So I want you to put that in a box, box it. The will of God. So Paul, I'm Paul saying, I'm called by Christ alone. You're not called, but I'm called in this way. I'm called by Christ alone. And everything I'm going to say, I'm saying because it's the will of God. Listen, Paul did not choose to be an apostle. Jesus chose him. You hear me? Jesus chose him. That's going to be an important theme throughout the whole book of Ephesians. God choosing us, not us choosing him. God chose us first before the foundation of the world. And that is really, really good news. That means it's different than any other person communicating. That's different than me, a theologian, your favorite book. We are not the same. But when Paul or these other authors who are inspired and appointed by God, it should cause us to listen with a different level of humility 
and attention. I want to give you this example, okay? Imagine you are a brand new aspiring entrepreneur and you want to do really well in your business, okay? And all of a sudden you get notified that you have the opportunity to sit down over dinner and to listen to these people. Warren Buffet, uh, Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Oprah Winfrey, and Elon Musk. What would you do, right? I don't know what you'd do, but I'd lean in, right? I'd be like, oh my gosh, I wanna be a businessman, I wanna be an entrepreneur, I get to have dinner with all these people at the same time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recognize that these are people of not only great importance, but they have incredible wisdom at this whole entrepreneurial thing. And so in a far more significant, glorious way, what Paul is saying is, hey, you're, I'm sitting before you and I'm communicating a word from the creator of the universe and I want you to lean in because I have a type of wisdom that can change your life and it's coming from God. So let me show you how this word that he's getting ready to talk about is for all of us. It's truly for all people. And so here, here's what it says right after the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus, this is key, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to know this. Some of the earliest manuscripts of this book of Ephesians did not include Ephesus in its opening. Now, you shouldn't have any fear about that. That's actually really good news. So in the earliest manuscripts, some of them open up to Ephesus, some do not open up to Ephesus. And what I want you to know is that this specific book, it was more circular in nature. Now, what that means about it being more circular in nature, it means that Paul's original historical um, intention of this specific book was that it would go to multiple churches. Are you tracking? There were some, there were some letters he wrote very specifically to a church right, right in that time, and we benefit from it. This book was literally intended, even historically, to be for all people. And that's really good news. So we can have even more confidence when we read the book of Ephesians that this was written for us. And so on your fill out, or your fill in the blank, you see there's a scroll there. And it says, the letter to, and I want you to write RCC. I want you to make this personal. This letter is to you and me. This is a letter to RCC. So it says, to the saints who are at Redemption City Church. I want you to write that. To the saints, because he's talking to us as real as he was talking to anyone else. God is communicating with us. To the saints who are at Redemption City Church and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I want you to circle the words on your um, on, on that little um, diagram, faithful in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about that. That's important. This is going to be as big as that attachment we talked about last week because there's something big getting ready to be unpacked right here. Faithful in this verse is referring to the believer, right? Part of being a genuine believer is that you are marked by faithfulness. As you walk with Christ, there will be fruit of faithfulness. So the verse is saying, really, to the saints who are, who are, at, who are in Ephesus or to the saints at Redemption City Church and are believers in Christ Jesus, marked by faithfulness. That key word is and. It's so important. Paul is distinguishing, and this is really weighty, that, listen, you can be a saint, quote unquote, that goes to church every Sunday, seemingly your whole life, and never have an, a living relationship with the God of the universe. He doesn't just say to the saints who are in Ephesus. 
That's not good enough. That is not who he's talking to. You tracking? He says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Because he's getting ready to have an invitation. But he's letting you know there, there is a requirement for this invitation. It's for those who are gathered as the people of God and are faithful. True saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So although the, there were people living in the church of Ephesus in that area, and although people go to church every single Sunday, uh, Paul is lifting up this whole unity in Christ thing. Those who are truly unified in Christ. Now, here's a fun fact for you, okay? Did you know that in the book of Ephesians, it mentions being in Christ more than any other place and any other letter in the whole book of the Bible? It's about 36 times. That means we, Paul is trying to hammer this in. This is written to those who are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. In Christ, you can do this. In Christ, you can do this. In Christ, you can do that. Paul is communicating these same sentiments in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to share that with you um, in chapter 1, verse 10, when he tells us to be of the same mind and to be of the same judgment. Now, if you've been with us, we talked about that in the DNA series in the unity with the family. You remember when we did that? We talked about what it means to be of the same mind and of the same judgment. So who are we? Who are we? We are a people um, called to experience unity in Christ within our loves, wants, and desires. This is who Paul's talking to. Before I can share this invitation, we got to know who he's talking to. So this is for the people of God who are unified in their loves, in their wants, and their desires. If you want to unpack that deeper, you can go back to the DNA series. He's talking about the people who are unified in their goals and in their ambitions. He's talking about the people who are unified in their trajectory and their, um, their destinations. And then finally, he's talking about those who are unified in Christ and their convictions and their beliefs. So here's the question. What's Paul trying to say to those who are unified in Christ regarding their love and their goals and their ambitions and their destinations and their beliefs? What is the invitation? So we're going to look at that. And we're, so let's look, let's look at verse 1 again. And then we're going to see this invitation. Paul, read it again. An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Here goes the invitation. You ready? Here's the invitation to those. If you are in that, if, you, if that's you, here's the invitation. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. The invitation to those who are in Christ, who are faithful in Christ, is an offering of grace and an offering of peace. Now listen, whenever God is saying, whenever God is using Paul to open up with something that says grace and peace, that is not like a fancy way of saying like, hello, hello, grace and peace. It's not an opening line. It is not just an opening kind of salutations or greeting. If you see it that way, if you think this is just a greeting, you're going to miss something deep. There are deep waters going on. Paul is not just saying, hello, grace and peace. He's saying, I am Paul. You have to understand something. The people knew of Paul. He had a reputation. 
he had a hard time being received in most of these churches because he had a history of being a persecutor of the church. This was a murderous man that Jesus redeemed, but everybody else did not forgive. Are you tracking with me? Hold this intention. Paul, me, I know, I know you know my past, but Christ has redeemed me. And I am now an apostle appointed by Christ. And I have a word for you. And this word is for every believer here in Ephesians, for every believer here in Colossae, and for every believer here in Redemption City Church. But it's for those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. I have an invitation. And this invitation is for grace and it's for peace. Now, we first have to understand grace and mercy to understand the peace of God. And so let's look at that again. We learned about that in the DNA series. Let's look at grace explained. Here's what, here's what it means to have the grace of God. Grace is an expression of God's love manifested through his unmerited favor towards man. Grace is categorically unearnable, right? You, you can't earn it. It's essentially God giving to us that which we do not deserve nor can earn, but yet it's something we all desperately want. That's grace. We can't spend more time on that. We had a whole sermon on that. Let's look at mercy. Mercy is an expression of God's love from the opposite side of grace. It makes sense. Mercy is God withholding from us various realities we absolutely deserve because of our sin but that we emphatically do. We don't want that. We don't want God's wrath. We don't want that condemnation. Mercy is an incredible gift of compassionate forgiveness and pardoning from the creator of the universe. Now, you got to have grace and mercy understood and locked in for you to even begin to understand the peace of God. Let's look at the peace of God. I wrote this on my porch. Oh, I missed my porch. Okay. <laughs> the peace of God explained. All right. Here's the peace of God. I, Lean in with me, okay? This is so important. The, the whole book, there's nothing for you if you don't understand right here. The peace of God. The peace of God is the holy summary of all the blessings that result from experiencing God's grace and mercy that leads to a robust rest and landing that you are reconciled to God and to each other in Christ. Think about that for a moment. The peace of God is the summary of truly embodying God's grace and mercy. It's, it's the landing place when you truly have accepted God's grace upon your life. When you've truly accepted God's mercy upon your life, the summary of that, the conclusion of that is you have the peace, the peace of God. How many of us how many of you want the peace of God in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your hearts, in everywhere? No one? It's just me with my heart. How many of us want the peace of God? I want the peace of God. What Paul is saying is that is an invitation that is being given to you. Lean in. I want you to get this, <laughs> I want you to get this deep, deep down in your belly. We're going to do this through an illustration, okay? Here we go. Ready? This, we're, going to, we're going to do this real quick. Grace of God, it's on the screen. Boom, that's our starting point. It's all about gathering us into the fam his family, being adopted children of God, saved by Christ, his blood, sacrifice, the grace 
of God. This is the gospel we're going to learn about all the way throughout Ephesians. This is an incredible gift given to us, the grace of God, right? Now, simultaneously, while the grace of God, don't worry about writing it right. I want you to see this on the screen, all right? This is really important for your visual. Okay, so you have the grace of God. Simultaneously, we have the mercy of God, all right? The mercy of God is being initiated once and for all through Jesus. You tracking? It's been given once and for all because of Jesus. This is also called like the atonement or the propitiation for our sins. Instead of wrath and condemnation, we get to receive mercy and we get to receive freedom in Christ. So we have the grace of God continuing daily. You see that? And then we have the grace of God, the grace of God pushing forward all the time in our lives. So we have the grace of God pushing forward and the mercy of God continuing daily and the grace of God pushing forward and the mercy of God continuing daily and the grace of God is pushing forward and the mercy of God is continuing daily. And when the Bible-believing, Christ-exalting Christian comes together and they believe by faith that the grace of God and the mercy of God continues to push forward and continue daily, we have the explosion of the peace of God within our hearts. If you want to walk with the peace of God in your life, you have got to understand the incredible riches of God's grace and God's mercy upon your life. In Christ, we've been reconciled into a relationship with him. And Paul's saying this whole book, this is what, this verse, this is what the first two verses are. He's saying, hey, this book is gonna be about an invitation for you to walk away at the end of this book at the end of this letter, people in Ephesus, with the peace of God. Because I've heard from representatives who keep visiting me under light chain house arrest that you're being treated as second-class citizens and you're not having peace right now and you're in turmoil and you're hurting. Hey, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, I have a word for you. And it's an invitation for the peace of God in your life. And maybe you're struggling right now, Redemption City Church, in your life. Maybe it's with your children and they're not growing in the way you want them to. Or maybe they're growing so well in the ways you want them to that you feel like you don't even get to see them anymore. And you're struggling to let them go. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. To those who are faithful here at Redemption City Church, I have an invitation for you and it's the peace of God upon your life. Is that good news? That is really, really good news. So who are we? We are a people invited by Paul, inspired by God, of course, to experience the peace of God. As a result of experiencing the grace and the mercy of God in a reconciled relationship with him. Now, this is really important as we begin to land the plane today. You see, Paul had already spent three years in Ephesus before he ever got into light chain house arrest and wrote this letter. In fact, he had stayed in Ephesus longer than he had stayed in any other place in any of his missionary journeys. This is important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, this is what Paul says. It's not on the screen, but I want you to listen. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Here we go. Ready? For a wide door for effective work is open to me, but there are many adversaries. Hmm. Did you, did you catch that? There's a wide door open for gospel stuff, but there's many adversaries. 
Redemption City Church, there are many things open to us as the people of God in our area, but there are also many adversaries. Though there were great opportunities for, for Paul when he was in Ephesus, he also experienced great opposition. Acts 19, chapter 19, verses 9 through 20 details this as well. When Paul was there, it talks about the people becoming hardened um, in their faith and they were not believing. And so they were confronting and saying Jesus' message was not true, that it was fraudulent. So Paul had actually a lot of difficulty on this journey. But despite the opposition, he still saw the opportunity. And we have an opportunity despite the opposition. Paul leaned into the opportunities that God put before him despite very real oppositions he faced every single day. Therefore, the book of Ephesians tells us how to live as Bible-believing Christians in the tension between gospel opportunity and gospel opposition. We have to learn how to live in that tension. And it's painful, but we've been called to live in that tension. And the book of Ephesians is going to help us to understand how to do that. And we're going to learn great applications for how to do that in this book of Ephesians. Because listen to me, we can learn how to use our trials to relate to God, not run away from God. Just because you are experiencing opposition, listen to me, if you don't remember anything else today, just because you are experiencing opposition in trials in your life does not mean that you are out of the will of God. Just because you are, listen to me, my whole life testimony is that, just because you are experiencing, there was a time when I first was injured and I was laying on my back and my beautiful young 25 year old wife was caretaking for me and changing my clothes and feeding me and washing me. And I'm like, I must have done something wrong. I, I'm your man, I am a pastor and I am on my back. The doctors can't help me. The neurosurgeons can't help me. And I went into a really dark place because I didn't have a category for my suffering. Surely I had done something wrong. Surely I'm not in God's will. And I stayed there for a long time. Let me tell you something. I could not know more than I am in the safe hands of the living God. God used my suffering in that accident to move me to Beaverton, Oregon, to go to Sunrise Church, to meet Pastor Jack and Vanessa, to build a beautiful relationship, to see my wife grow. I was always the leader of my home. I made good money and she didn't have to work that much, but my wife has so many gifts and talents that were being suppressed in all of my accomplishments. And I got to watch my wife blossom into all that God has called her to be. I've watched my children blossom in this beautiful state of Oregon. And then I got to meet you and you got to meet me. And then we get to sit here today and we get to talk about the book of Ephesians. Oh, God's will is not always just because we're facing a trial. That is a lie from the enemy. Just because it's difficult does not necessarily mean you're out of the will of God. In fact, oftentimes it's through fire and trials and, and struggles and hardships that you can know that you're in the will of God. James chapter one, right? In fact, let's just talk about that because I want to. James chapter one verses two through four talks about counter all his joy. Brothers and sisters, when you face different trials, because it's producing something beautiful, beautiful in you. 
In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus is declaring that he didn't come just to bring world peace. Oh my gosh, you can't say that in America, right? It's like, is she? Uh, Jesus didn't come to bring world peace, but he came to establish what? Spiritual peace, the peace of God. Wow. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace to this world in a secular way. I've come to bring spiritual peace. And my way of doing that, disciples, lean in, everybody. This is Jesus talking to disciples. Hey, the way I'm going to do that means this. Warning. Father will be set against son. Mother against daughter. Relationships are going to be broken. Because when spiritual peace is activated, things have to die. If you want the peace of God, upon your life. If you want to interact with the grace and the mercy of the creator of the universe, you have to die so that he can raise you into a new life. And the entire book of Ephesians is gonna talk about that loudly, loudly. So who are we? It's the last one. We are called to be a people that stand in the tension between gospel opportunity What's the opportunities? Uh, his grace, his mercy, his peace, sharing your faith, all the opportunities of the gospel. And gospel opposition, pain, trials, hardships, suffering, ridicule, reviling people against you, Matthew chapter five, blessed are those who revile against you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice because I'm with you. Trusting the Lord through our trials. You got to trust him in the hard times. Don't just trust him when it's good. Trust him when it's difficult. As he uses these trials to perfect you and me into his image by commissioning us to live in Christ. So when Paul is writing this letter, in Rome, under light chain house arrest, his goal is to encourage, strengthen, and remind the people of God, me and you, who we are. This is who we are. Therefore, our goal in the book of Ephesians is to believe about that, what we're going to learn, who we are. And then we need to ask the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a couple weeks. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to help us where we have unbelief. Because let me tell you, there's everybody in this room has measures of unbelief, including me. And we're going to invite the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with the parts where our unbelief is blocking the peace of God. And that all starts with us having a very clear identity of who we are. And we're going to need to have a deep understanding of the riches of the blessings that God has given us in verses 3 through 14. We're going to have to know that in a real way. And next week, we're going to begin to look at these blessings, these riches. And we're going to invite Christ to turn on the switch of our faith. And that's what next week's about. Switching on, turning on that light so we can believe with all of our hearts the things that Christ has done for us. It's the foundation of everything. We're going to close by looking at that same verse, and I hope you see so much more. Here we go. Ephesians chapter one, verses one through two. Maybe you never knew there was so much here in these two verses. Let's close and re read this. Here I go. Paul, 
Once a murderous man who was in darkness, now saved and reconciled because of a gracious king on high named Jesus, Jehovah Jireh. I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus, not only reconciled in my relationship, but called to one of the highest positions given to, an, to a fleshly man. And it was done by the will of God. To every single saint, today, tomorrow, and forever, and to the saint who was faithful to Christ Jesus, I have an invitation for you in this letter. And this invitation is for you, once and for all, to stop being a second-class citizen, to stop being broken, to stop suffering in the ways that you're suffering, and to switch that with the peace of God upon your life. And this peace from God will come from our Father in heaven in unity with the Son, Jesus, who gladly gives it at the same time. And then he begins to talk about that. And that is our hope. Let's pray. God of grace, mercy, and the peace of God, thank you that when we open up a prayer like that, that we understand more of what we're saying. Father, we opened up today with a prayer asking you to make yourself known to us in your scripture. And Lord, I'm praying that that happened for your people, your sons and daughters today. Lord, I made a vow to you a few years ago that I would never allow my gifts to be used as motivational speaking, but that I would be faithful and work hard to unpack this glorious book for your people, for my personal family, and for my own heart. So I pray that the sweet aroma of your word in Ephesians chapter one, verses one through two, would mean more for the people today than they ever have. That we would slow down and avoid jumping to you know, the big Hollywood moments of these books and that we would see that every moment is a Hollywood moment in your word. It's lights, camera, action all the time. Thank you that we can talk for an hour about two verses of one of your apostles who's just opening up, Lord. I can only imagine the sufferings that my brother in Christ Paul was going through, Lord, and I want to be faithful to his labor and to what you were doing in him for us by seeing all that you have for us. Now, Lord, as we exit out and we walk out in our lives this week, I pray that we would begin to set our hearts with the desire to read this book on our own, that we would understand that these two verses are giving us a beautiful invitation to have your peace the whole book, everything we do from here is about the peace of God. Father, provide that in a way that only you can. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.